Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this podcast is where I share people's incredible stories of recovery after making the switch to a whole food, plant-based diet. In today's episode, I'm speaking to Craig Lipnicki, who has overcome ankylosing spondylitis, or AS, which is a form of arthritis. He's also overcome IBS, heartburn, and severe anxiety. Before we head into this week's episode, I have two things I would like to talk about. I wanted to say briefly, but it takes a bit of time to explain. The first is my new Patreon account. Now, I've mentioned this a bit on social media, well, I think once, and I've been considering this for a while as we head towards our 100th episode. I needed to make some decisions about how this podcast was going to continue to move forward. So far, without the assistance of paid sponsorship, Patreon seems like the best option, at the moment at least. I've had several people offer to sponsor the podcast, but they haven't quite been in alignment with my personal values and the messaging that I want contained within the podcast. There's been some things that are just not that they contain more chemicals or they have more packaging or more plastic and things that I personally don't want to promote on the podcast, which is why I've had to turn those offers down. The issue is it takes a lot of time and other physical resources to create a weekly podcast. We have to find guests, record interviews, edit the podcast, which takes a long time. It's an hour long, more than an hour long podcast most weeks. And that's a lot of editing <laughs> to make us sound half decent. Thank you, Ranjit. I love you very much. There is purchase of equipment and the replacement of equipment and software, updating the software. There's take, it takes time away from our paid work each week and from our family. This is a love project for me. It's a passion project. I created this project because I didn't want another person to feel feel as alone or as frightened as I felt when I was first diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And I also didn't want another family to go through what my family had to endure when we were living with and caring for my brother and watching him die from muscular dystrophy. Muscular dystrophy is a genetic disease and it's incurable. But after 96 episodes of this podcast and so much scientific research coming out each and every day from places like the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, T. Colin Campbell and Cornell University. There's so many different places where this research is coming out. Dr. Corbel Esselstein. There's so many places, people and places that are doing this research that we now know without a doubt how powerful a whole food plant-based diet can be in the prevention and reversal of almost all chronic diseases known to man, which is why I'm desperate to keep this podcast running for as long as I can because still only a small portion of society knows this information, believes this information, trusts this information and has committed and made the switch to a whole food plant-based diet. We need more people. We need, we need more people for 
humanity. We need more people eating this way for the animals. We need more people eating this way for the future of this planet because animal agriculture is number two after fossil fuels for its contribution to greenhouse gas emissions on Earth. So it has a huge negative impact on the planet, not not, not to mention deforestation, oceanic dead zones, water pollution. It's imperative that people make the switch to a whole food plant-based diet as fast as possible and that more people see it as a viable, optimal solution to human health and the health of this planet. So I am very, very passionate about keeping this podcast going, but I can't do it alone. And the word needs to keep reaching people, but I need an army, I need a community to get that word out there. I need folks like you, not only to share this podcast, to like it, to tag people in it, in the episodes, to comment, all of those things, because that does help people to see this podcast, subscribing, rating it and reviewing it over at iTunes. They're all great things. And thank you to everyone who has done that. I'm so, so, so appreciative. Sharing it with your family and friends on social media, all of those things. But we also need folks like you to help this podcast by becoming paid patrons. And you can do this for less than the cost of a large vegan soy chai latte a month. So Patreon is a new crowdfunding platform and it helps content creators like myself to continue creating content with the support of the fans of the show. So the Corinne Ninja podcast community, the family, my family, the family of this podcast who I love so, so much. Patreon allows fans like yourself to join an exclusive community where you get discounts, extra content, free tickets to events and other special rewards along the way. Best of all, you'll be helping me on my mission to alert the world to the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet, potentially sparing thousands of people from succumbing to chronic disease, which is my absolute dream. If you have $5 to spare per month, remember it's one soy latte, please head over to my Patreon page and become a paying patron of this podcast. I will be sharing the link in the show notes so you can find it there. I will most definitely be your best friend if you do. Sorry, Christy, Carly, and all other people who I call my best friends. Rinji, sorry, sorry to you too. So far we have Lucy Stegley. I love you, Lucy from Doctors for Nutrition, Elizabeth Boucher and Tony Boucher from Foodies Medicine Australia, the Facebook page. We have Janet Selby. Thank you, Janet, over in the Corinne Ninja Podcast Patreon community. And I would love to see your name over there too. There are currently six tiers to choose from. So you can join for as little as $5 a month all the way up to $100 a month. And whoever obviously joins for the $100 tier obviously gets one of my kidneys and possibly one of my kids if you'd like one. No, I'm just kidding. You can't have my kids. (laughs) With each tier, you are helping this podcast continue into the future as long as possible, helping me spread this word about whole food plant-based eating. There are many benefits from joining the Corinne Ninja community. For instance, the $5 tier, you get discounts on my programs and cooking classes, and you get, obviously, the joy of knowing that you are helping this podcast come out every single week. In the $10 tier, you get 20% off my programs and classes, and 
a free one-on-one call at the $15 tier, you get 30% off a free one-on-one call and my new free ebook that no one's laid eyes on as of this very moment. At the $25 tier, you get 40% off what free one-on-one call, coaching call, my e- my new ebook and free entrance into my 28-day program and members only Facebook group, which is a great place to hang out. You should definitely want to hang out there. At $50 you get 50% off all of my workshops and programs, two times one-on-one coaching calls, the ebook and free entrance into my 28-day program. And at $100, as mentioned, you get one kidney and your choice of one of my children. I'm just joking. I love them very much and you can't have them. But I'm just trying to express how very, 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 oh my goodness, amazed I would be and excited and thrilled and overwhelmed if someone joined for $100 a month, that would explode my mind and make me cry for days, I imagine. You will get 70% off all my cooking classes and programs. You will get free entrance into at least one or more of my cooking classes. I might make it one or one a year or two a year. I'm not sure. I'm gonna I've changed I'm gonna change that tier two times. One-on-one coaching calls, my ebook, free entrance into my program, plus lifetime membership into the Conscious Eating Program, which is great. I think you'll love it, and and more. I'll be adding more things in there as I go along. I'm just figuring out, but I'm hoping to add more video and stuff over there along the way. So head over to Patreon in the links in the show notes, and join and join me and become a Patreon supporter. I love you and I'd be so grateful for you for helping me to spread hope around the world. And don't forget, I'll also be your best friend, which isn't a small thing. I'm a great best friend to have. (laughs) Okay, second thing, even though that was a big thing, please, thank you so much if you do go over and become a Patreon member today. And the second thing is I'm running a 28-day vegan challenge, August 1st to 29th. So if you'd like to hang with me for 28 days, join my members area, get my free ebook, eat some whole food, plant-based vegan food, chat with me via Zoom each week and make some new friends, you should totally sign up. It's only $97 and it's going to be so much fun. This link will be in the show notes as well. So head over there and check that out. And at the same time, join my Patreon. No pressure. And make me the happiest human on the planet. Did I mention you'll get daily emails from me, 24-7 members, messenger support? Okay, I'll be sleeping some of that time, but I'll do my best to reply and not just imagine I've replied for the entire 28 days of the challenge. If you're struggling or you just need some inspiration or you have a friend or a family member who you know should try this way of eating but you can't get them to, Sign them up. Sign them up to get them to join and get them to try it for 28 days. You can do it with them. You can make it fun. We'll make it fun together. This is the challenge for you. So sign up. Get a friend to sign up with you. Get everyone to join. Become Do it, go, do it in pairs. Do it in a group. Get your work colleagues to do it with you. Get everyone you know to do it with you. Join up together and then we'll have a great 28 days. I think it's going to be so great. I'm so excited. I'm going to be doing it partly from while I'm on holiday. So I'll be doing some Zooms from sunny Queensland. So I'll have extra exciting beach happiness to share with everyone during my Zoom calls. You might do a Zoom call from the beach 
um, during those 28 days and we'll just be talking about delicious whole food plant-based recipes, inspiration, the Facebook group. There's going to be chats, tons and tons of greatness in the emails every day. You'll be getting recipes, 36 beautiful recipes that are in the, my new ebook. You'll be getting shopping list, four-week meal plan laid out for you and just so much more awesomeness. So please join 28 Days Vegan Challenge that I'm running and the link is in the show notes. Okay, without further ado, today's guest, Craig Lipnicki. This guy has been through so much and to see him come out the other side just fills my heart with so much joy. I hope you get as much out of Craig's story as I did and if you know someone who is living with AS, ankylosing spondylitis, uh, the form of arthritis, or you know someone with IBS, or you know someone with someone with severe anxiety and or heartburn, send them over this link to this podcast episode because Craig's story is a really, really powerful story to share with those people. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much, Craig, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Hello, Craig, and welcome to the show. Hi, how are you going? Yeah, I'm great. I am so excited to listen to your story and hear it along with everybody who's listening to this to this episode. So I've given a little bit of your background, and I'd love it if you could just tell us your story. Okay. I mean, the main health issue that I have and still have is ankylosing spondylitis. So it's an autoimmune uh, type of arthritis, similar most people know rheumatoid. We've never heard of it before. Yeah, well, rheumatoid um, is more common. This is, I mean, it's pretty similar. It's just ankylosing spondylitis. It affects your the spine more. How do you spell that? <laughs> I would have to even, um, I would have to even look it up because I. I will Google it. <laughs> I'll Google it. I can it. get this ankylizing part right in spondylitis. I normally just look it up because it's a difficult is, word. Is it two I words? Just call it AS, yeah. AS. Is it two words? Yeah, so it's ankylizing. 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 Yeah. It's A-N-K-O-L-Y-S-I-N-G. Spondylitis. Wow. Ankylizing spondylitis. And what happens with ankylizing spondylitis? Uh, so you often get pain. Some people get it in the lower back. I get mine in the upper back. And after a time, through the inflammation, it can end up fusing bones in the spine together to cause bamboo spine. Oh, my gosh. What they call it. But with, like, same as if all other autoimmune, you can get, you know, pain in other joints throughout the body pain in the eyes, pain, you know, all sorts of things that can come along with that. And when did you get, when did you first get this? Well, if we go through, yeah, the story, I guess, just mainly with the the pain issues, it was probably in the late teens, I'd occasionally get pain in the upper back. Um, It only lasts for an hour or two. It was kind of strange just in this one spot and it would go for an hour then go away and then might not have it for months at a time. Then sort of at around the age of 23, I'd start getting the pain more constant, so maybe for a few hours a day, especially after I'd done, I was working in a gardening job and I've had to bend over and pruning things, put my back in a weird position, it would start to hurt then, or in this sort of one spot, 
sort of the mid, mid upper back. And then after a while, it just became more constant until eventually it became 24 hours a day. It would hurt. Oh, my gosh. And how old were you then? Uh, so that was around 23. That was the year 2000. Yeah. And so it was around that time I went to a rheumatologist. Um, my dad's got um, rheumatoid arthritis. So I went to see the rheumatologist that he sees. And I was initially diagnosed with something else called Sherman's disease. I don't know what that is either. <laughs> Yeah, that's another sort of condition sort of comes from scoliosis and stuff that causes a pain in the upper back, so they just thought it was that. Oh, okay. And and how did they move from there to the ankylosing spondylitis? So I just had the pain in the upper back, and then in around 2010, age 33, I started getting these, like, pains in my hands initially. And they would ache. It was like I'd been stung by, like, a bee before and had that spread into like my arm and hands and it kind of felt like that hands would get really like just aching I'd put the heat on them to stop and actually I think I was taking bee pollen or something I thought maybe it was a reaction to that but I stopped that that didn't do anything um, and then I'd start getting pains in other parts of the body and restless legs I got iritis um, inflammation in the eyes where it feels like you get like sand in your eye and you can't look at any bright light it feels yeah, it's like a sort of ache in the eyes. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I went back to that rheumatologist and he did, like, other x-rays and blood tests, I think, then. But he was, yeah, it wasn't that helpful. He just said, oh, I don't know what it is. And I don't know, what, <laughs> don't know how to help. He was like, okay. Wow. So I went to a second rheumatologist and, he was, and then he was able to diagnose the ankylosing spondylitis because it's a particular blood Something in your blood they detect. I can't remember what it's called now. And also, it shows in your hip. Wow. Sometimes I don't actually really get pain there, but yeah. Did it show in your hip? Yeah, it shows on the X-ray. It's some. I can't remember exactly what it was now. It's something they can detect because a lot of people get pain. I do get pain in my lower back. That's more from like a disc disc problems. That's not really from the arthritis inflammation. That's another another issue. Mine's always been in the upper back where I get the pain. Oh, and so what happened from there? So when I went to him, he wanted me, they want you to go on a big course of um, anti-inflammatories. That's the first step. But I'd taken, back when I had Sherman's disease, I tried all these really strong anti-inflammatories. For some reason, they never helped with my pain. Anything that ever helped was like taking massive doses of panadine, 14, tramadol, and then I went on to a morphine patch. And so he recommended that, but because my, my dad's been on anti inflammatories for years and he ended up having heart trouble because a lot of those anti-inflammatories are banned now they've been linked to heart disease i think even the one he was going to put me on is probably banned now so i didn't really want to do that it's funny because so many people take anti-inflammatories all the time yeah so i haven't had any not even neurofin for like a few years now i wouldn't i don't think i'd ever take neurofin again even after learning about it but then the next step after taking, you had to take them for a certain amount of time, and then it was like um, those autoimmune drugs and stuff like that. And because I've seen my dad on them and how often he gets infections um, from taking them, I didn't want to go down that route anyway. Yeah, wow. And so your dad, he, so he's, he's had regular arthritis. Oh, rheumatoid. So he has rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, well, that's more commonly. It is. Well, it's more common in the population. It's more widely known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yes. A lot of fair few people do have it, but it's just not many people have heard the name. Yeah, and so he was taking autoimmune drugs for his rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, I think he still takes 
oh, he's on like a small dose of that cancer drug they give you, matraxinate. But he has been on some of those other ones, Umura, ones where you inject yourself and they lower your immune, because your immune system is attacking yourself. They figure to lower that can help with the pain, and he does that much. But then it's easy to get, he's had yeah, bad strap infections and ended up in hospital for months. Oh, my gosh. Awful. And so then you weren't taking anti-inflammatories. So what happened then? Yeah, well, basically I didn't really, I saw the rheumatoid, I got the diagnosis, but, yeah, I didn't really want to follow. The path that you'd seen. Yeah, and most of the time they're not open to anything else like diet and that, so I just, I've just never gone back. Yeah. <laughs> never gone back to them, yeah. And so how did you hear about diet? Or was it just intuitive? No, my wife has always been into sort of the natural. She was studying to be a naturopath. Oh, yeah. She hasn't finished that course yet. She wants to go back to that um, one day. And so we just started looking into, yeah, more natural things to do. Um, but I saw, yeah, a lot of different naturopaths and tried all sorts of stuff that didn't really do anything. I was in a lot of – was it about age 36 I got onto a morphine patch, which helped more than taking the panadine fortone tramadol. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot, though. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I'm not right now, but that was good at the time to give me some relief because I've been mm. in pain 24 hours a day. Oh, my gosh. I don't, you must have been just suffering so terribly. And then the ripple effect on your relationship, you know, that kind of pain 24 hours a day must take a toll on your relationships, on your career, on your mental health. Yeah, yeah, all of all that really has stopped you. Any type of exercise I tried to do seemed to make it worse. And mm. I could still, I still went to work. I pretty much never took any days off, but sometimes I'd have to just lie on my back in my office for a while. Mm. <laughs> Try and get over it. It was really bad. Oh my just gosh. Yeah, yeah. And so none of the naturopath stuff really worked. So what? what... Well, not until, yeah, that's sort of, most of them didn't. Then in 2015, I started seeing a different naturopath and she was more sort of in tune with functional medicine and nutrition because a lot of naturopaths just try and give you, they see you not even that long and then just try and sell you a load of different tablets. But um, yes, I saw naturopath Rebecca Strawn and she had a bit of a different approach. She was, yeah, about getting off all the junk food and stopping dairy. She sounds like a good naturopath to have around. Yeah, she's more advanced into the Instead of just following the standard sort of stuff, she sort of seems to keep up more of the science. Mm. And so what happened then, Craig? Uh, so then, so I did get off a lot of the, the junk food. We started to, because um, there's so much in my story, there's other things. We have to go back a bit just to go to the diet, um, what's happening with the diet. Yeah, okay. So it was, yeah, for 30 years basically I ate, yeah, just a regular Australian diet. I was age 30, I went vegetarian. Okay. So that was 2007. So that already doing that had good effects after that. Mm. So is that, yeah, age 30, I just, there was two things. I saw, I saw a picture of a sheep being loaded into a truck overseas from the live export. And I read some article by Paul McCartney, which I've tried to find here and I can't find. That's when I decided to go vegetarian. So my wife's already, she was vegetarian since they're like a young child. Mm. I envy those children who just yeah. have so much empathy from such a young age. Yeah. So you you went vegetarian at 30? Yeah. So then, so even by the time 
I got up, so in 2015, so I'd already been vegetarian for eight years, and then she was talking about getting off the dairy and stuff like that. And we did cut out milk pretty much then, but we're still having you know, bits of cheese and dairy in some form. It was hard. Back then, the only cheese you could really get was this soy cheese. Yeah, I remember that yeah, cheese. It's so rack. disgusting. It, that yeah. log of cheese. That, oh, yeah, my gosh. Soy, oh, I can't remember what it was called. You can only oh. get it from a naturopath as well. Oh, really oh, it just is. I think <laughs> it it's made by the dairy industry to turn people off <laughs> being vegetarian. Yeah, vegan. I don't know if you could get that one anymore. <laughs> oh, it's so disgusting. So there wasn't, yeah, you just didn't have the choices that you had now. Oh, gosh, you absolutely did not. <laughs> so you went vegetarian, so you were eating vegetarian, and then what And then, how, what made you, when did you make the switch to whole food plant-based? Yeah, so that was in about, so I started seeing her in about 2000, then in 2017 we watched the documentary What the Health, and that was a big one, looking at the dairy stuff there. That's when we decided, yeah, definitely. So sort of initially partly health that switch but then you know very quickly learnt about the other stuff watch that james aspie speech that everyone's probably seen well if you haven't go see it the his speech on dairy no this one was that i mean you look up on youtube is a speech that will change your life or something it's the one that he's had you know millions of views on yeah okay goes for about 40 minutes or something Everyone, go watch James Aspie. He's also, I think he's episode nine <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, wonderful. And so ha- what happened then to your health? Yeah, so then so I was following a lot of the stuff that, yeah, Beck had put me on. And, and in 2000, so around 2007, around that time, um, stuff started seeming to get better. So I just sort of weaned myself off the pain patch to see how it'd go. So there's other other health aspects like I had anxiety since a young age yeah so I was on like really strong or I was on like yeah different antidepressants I was on them for you know almost 15 years or more wow and stops and I'd started read a few books and I started to cut down on that I was also on protein pump inhibitors so I had heartburn from like late it's also it's all linked together like all the anxiety, the arthritis, all those issues really comes back probably to the gut microbiome. Yes, absolutely. And so I got pretty much off most of the medications, but my back was still, every now and again, I'd still have to take Panadine for. And so things were, yeah, a fair bit better, but I was still getting one thing that I'd had quite a few years and probably because some of the other symptoms started to go down and started to notice more, some IBS symptoms and gas pains that I had. So it was in July 2000, start, 2018, I started doing the gut protocol of Natalie Woodman. Ah, yes. Yeah. So I've been doing that almost a year now. And since, so she's straight away, um, you have to stop taking all the pain medications, any heart, because I was still taking a lot of quickies. Like I got off the protein pump inhibitors, but I was getting for a packet of quickies every two days. Mm, mm, mm. And so she got me off all that and then doing the, the gut course, all the, I, the IBS symptoms, they're pretty much all gone away and the back pain's pretty much just gone most of the time. Very rarely I get it. Oh, my goodness. She is such a great lady. Hello, Natalie, if you're listening. If you don't know Natalie Woodman, she is episode 14 and episode 90. And she talks all about the gut microbiome in both episodes, but different 
aspects of gut health and things that impact gut health. So definitely go back and check those out, such as stress, sleep, you know, lack, lack of sleep, diet, exercise, all those types of things. So it's really, really fascinating to listen to her talk about those topics. And I've done the gut protocol myself and it is fabulous. So you've been feeling good since July 2018. So it's been almost a year. Yeah, so most of the only... Um, so still like a work in progress. I still the heartburn's the main one I still get sometimes at night and stuff. So I'm still working on that. But from what Natalie said, it can take a long time for your stomach to start producing the acid properly again. Because mm. I was on the protein pumping it, you know, for so many years you've shut down that part of your digestion. Mm. Wow. Yes. I see. I don't know enough about this topic, but. That's fascinating. So you've been turning it off because it's been making too much and then now you have to kind of – it has to start to heal and and function normally after not functioning normally for so much of your life. Is that is that correct? Well, it's not – yeah, apart from like the common misconception is generally you're producing too much acid and that rots, causes reflux, but it's normally your stomach isn't producing enough. Oh, okay. So you're not digesting the food properly without enough acid and that oh. causes that valve to open and the stomach contents to go back up. And even though your stomach acid might be a bit weaker, it's still enough to burn. Oh, there you go. Burn, yeah. So some people take like can take um, H-benadine, like take acid tablets or mm. apple cider vinegar when they eat to actually increase the acid to decrease acid reflux. Oh, there you go. But that's generally not, it's better to try and do it naturally and actually get your stomach producing it again. And what kind of things shut down the acid production? Do you know? I have no idea. Yeah, it's just the gut microbiome, so you've got to have the right microbes in the gut that actually produce the acid. Okay. And then, yeah, because you get the burning, you compound the problem by taking quick ease or taking the proton pump inhibitors, which effectively shut it off even more. And that reduces it enough that you might get pain relief, but then it's going to cause more digestive problems. You're causing all those sorts of other issues. Uh, and that's the thing that people don't tend to think about. When we take one thing to stop one problem, we cause other problems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much every pharmaceutical drug just about has some side effect yeah yeah and i think a lot of people especially my parents generation they think oh you know i can just take like my parents will take you know two or more panadols a day and that's just their maintenance dose and their doctors have told them just take two or more panadols a day that's your maintenance dose for life <laughs> and you yeah. and it's just not okay to just need to need two painkillers or more every day for the rest of your life no, I remember even when I was having my doctor tried to get me to take like that osteoarthritis, the slow release ones, two a day, and I was saying, oh, I can't really notice them doing anything. He's going, oh, they're probably doing something. You should just take them anyway. I was like, why would I take something that's really affecting my liver and all sorts if I can't even feel the difference? So I just stopped that. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, a lot of uh, – I speak to a lot of people in, you know, the older generation who are taking things like that because the doctors have just said take this – ongoing it'll just help but without yeah. any real evidence that it is helping and and then i just immediately think about what what, what is it harming when it's not <laughs> obviously helping anything but what is it harming along the way yeah so when you started natalie's protocol it's 
for those of you who haven't tried it, it's delicious. All the recipes are actually really delicious. Uh, but it's a big shift from being vegetarian it's, or it's a big shift. You, I know that you were already vegan for a year, but it's still a big shift even from being a junk food vegan. Yeah, but I don't really eat much yeah, junk food. So it was, it was pretty easy for me to... So it was easy? It was more just uh, the meal preparation time and my. Making all the stuff was probably the harder aspect for me, but other people were like, oh, I miss meat and miss cheese and that. But yeah, I don't know. I've always found it easy to change my eating if I just made a decision. Mm. Yeah, I can do it straight away. I've never had a problem. You're one of those magical unicorn people that I wish I was <laughs> one yeah. of that can just say, that's it. I'm not having oil ever again. That's it. Yeah. I'm not having salt anymore, everyone. I'm <laughs> finishing <laughs> with salt, which I fear I've always found those, those, those that SOS, you know, salt, oil and sugar, they were very t- difficult for me. And oil was the first one to go, but salt and sugar have been a... They're my tricky friends that I still find it hard to eliminate completely from my diet. Yeah, sugar. I haven't had a, I haven't drank soft drink for about twelve years. So you went vegetarian from eating a standard meat, eggs, dairy diet, and then slowly kind of then found what the health, and then found Natalie Woodman. And so nowadays, from going from being in pain twenty four hours a day, what's life like without this pain? Because you were in pain for. How many years altogether? Oh, it was, it was probably almost like 10 years where it was almost constant. But even it's from like, yeah, like late around, it's almost, yeah, been close to 20 years. Yeah, so now day to day, you're most, because before when I've had it, yeah, you couldn't really stand for too long because standing up still was like the worst thing to like work. So there's just times you'd have to sit down all the time or lie down for a bit to get it to relieve we can get up again. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's good. I can just. Yeah, I can do exercise and running and stuff now. That's incredible. And so how long were you, because you said you ha- you were on antidepressants for, was it 15 years? Yeah, I was probably from about the age of 20, I think I went on them. And then it was only in about 2017, maybe, I think I weaned myself off them totally. So I've been on them for years. I was even on a point, I was on ADHD, like on dexamphetamine for a while, as well as the antidepressants, because I was having trouble concentrating and the obsessive thoughts they thought was due to that. So that was another thing I weaned myself off. Wow. And so when did, so all of this started basically your late teens. And then when did the heartburn begin? That was probably around the same. I mean, the anxiety, I was just always had that even since a child, but just started to get worse when I was at high school, I think. Around, another thing was around age 10 or younger, I got asthma. So that's probably, you know, they're all sort of linked together. But yes, the anxiety was when I was at high school. It was just like obsessive thoughts and I'd leave the house and I'd lock the door, go back and check it, you know, five times. and then even though the rest of the day I'd worry it wasn't locked. Oh, you poor thing. Just obtrusive thoughts like constantly and things you knew didn't matter but it didn't stop. And that would make me I'd throw up from anxiety, I'd be sick. Throw up almost once a day at least for years as well. And that's possibly, that's probably, that probably affected the heartburn as well because that valve that, you know, it's only meant to open up occasionally was being forced open. So you would vomit once a day? At least, yeah, for quite a few years and anxiety was bad, sometimes multiple times a day. And that's completely gone now. And it wasn't real. I mean, I've done some sort of 
counseling stuff for it but people ask me how do you get rid of your anxiety and i don't really know so i'm just assuming it's mainly from improving my diet and that that's just gone along with it because most of the serotonin is made in your gut about 95 percent i think of serotonin yeah so it's more that's in serotonin you know what they with the antidepressants or serotonin reuptake inhibitors it's all about keeping serotonin in your brain for longer it totally makes sense and i had um, i'm totally i have i've had anxiety for a long well since my late teens early 20s as well and it definitely look i still i'm not saying that i'm don't have don't, don't ever get anxiety because i still definitely do but i've never had it to the point where i have thrown up thrown up at all or thrown up every day like like yourself and i thought you know when you in your own experience i thought wow my own experience is debilitating and and awful but this is just wow oh i once went 10 days without eating from anxiety pardon i once went 10 days without eating from anxiety because you just didn't want to vomit oh because i just kept vomiting i couldn't keep anything down i've been to hospital twice they had to put me on a drip and that was just from anxiety attacks basically years ago now but yeah that's how when it can get how it can affect you physically yeah and so you, you obviously, definitely, I, I'm all for, I, I was medicated for most of my 20s with, for anxiety and depression. They changed it from depression to anxiety, the different, different medications at different times throughout my 20s. Yeah. And I haven't needed to. Like there's been a couple times just that there's been this, lots of pressure in my life um, in the recent years where I've thought, hmm, maybe this is medication level anxiety. <laughs> And but it but it's only lasted a couple of days, and I've managed to calm myself down. But um, typically, since I adopted a whole food plant based diet, I have had so much less anxiety than I did in my twenties when I was just racked with it constantly. And those and those compulsive thoughts where I literally was just cycling, cycling around different thoughts than yours, but just the same thoughts over and over again that were really keeping me stuck in my life. So you must have felt so free when that kind of veil lifted for a moment for you. Yeah, so once, yeah. I find one thing, though, you're very quick to forget how it was before. Mm. I think when things go away, sometimes for me anyway, it doesn't take too long before you forgot you even had them. You sort of... (laughs) Adjust and then when you remember, go. Sometimes my wife has to remind me how bad it was before. I'm like, oh yeah. I know, and it's interesting how that happens. And I don't know why biologically we're wired to behave to to forget so quickly. I guess so we don't just have this miserable wallowing in despair <laughs> all the <Yeah>. time, <laughs> thinking about all the things that have happened to us. Maybe that's it. Because even you know, with my own with my own things, people are like, you know, you've accomplished, you know, you've the MS and you're, you've you've gone through a lot and overcome it and. And it's very hard for me to put myself back in that sick person, you know, in that in that in that mindset. Yeah, is that your experience too? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's only yeah. Sometimes you even forget talking about it now. It's sort of forgotten, you know, some of the anxiety stuff, how bad it was, because you just don't really think about it once you get used to not having it. Yeah, I can't imagine not being able to. Like, I know that there's. True North and Dr. Clapper talk about fasting all the time, but this is not fasting. This is just debilitating anxiety. And I've never heard that before, and that's that's just my own ignorance. And I just 
just want to give that version of you a hug because that just sounds so terrible. How did you function in that time? Well, I still used to go to work and stuff, but yeah, you'd have times, yeah, this anxiety is really bad and you just end up in the toilet for a while being sick and just sitting there trying to calm yourself down to get back to doing work. Were there any strategies and things that worked for you when you had anxiety that bad? Oh, I just used to... Yeah, um, sometimes you try and you know, just breathe slower, you know, count your breaths and stuff because that sometimes helps. A lot of times when it was really bad, yeah, I couldn't really find much that, that helped really. Did you find the medication helped? Um, tended to, yeah, I think it helped probably initially, at least for one. It probably, yeah, did help to some extent, but not totally. Every now and again, you know, I've changed. I've been on about, I was on about three or four different ones probably over the years. Sometimes they'd switch you to another one. I think at one point I was on two, which is quite common. I know people now that are on like three or even four drugs combined just for anxiety and stuff. Yeah, oh, my goodness. That would help to an extent, but, yeah, no, it was still it was still there. And, stuff. and so now how is life different for you now after getting away because having heartburn you know, regularly having heartburn, then be having these um, severe anxiety attacks for 15 years and the, and on top of that being in chronic pain with an autoimmune disease. And I know that they're all part of and with along with the IBS. And you're saying that nowadays you just have a little bit of heartburn left out of all of that. Yes, it's just, um, yeah, it can get so much more achieved. Well, the concentration at work, I'm not... Um when I had the anxiety and sort of the ADHD, my mind would just wander off. Mm. And also had energy. It was like almost like falling asleep or half daydreaming, half asleep. And you get back and you go, all right, I'm going to focus now. Two minutes later, you realise you've been off again for 10 minutes. <laughs> and you found your concentration has improved? Yeah, so that's, yeah, heaps better. So, and now, yeah, so now I can exercise, I can stand for long. And a lot of it's, and just the, the confidence factor or not worrying about, yeah, the future. I mean, I mean now I do like the anonymous for the voiceless cubes of truth. Oh wow! Vegan out as I go there and talk to them. Years ago, there's no way I could have even entertained doing that. That is such an incredible turnaround to go because because I'm too nervous to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think when I first did, went to do it, you know, if you don't want to talk, you stand in the cube, and because I mean, even now, sometimes if I stand for too long, it will hurt my upper back. But back when I started doing it, it was the upper back pain was still a bit worse and so I couldn't really stand there. It would hurt too much. Well, oh, well, I can't stand in the cube and I don't want to stand around doing nothing so I just forced myself to go talk to people. <laughs> so my first day there, I just started doing it. And how long do you stand? For those people who don't know what the cube of truth is, how long do you stand there and what? just, just explain the whole thing. Yeah, so the cube of truth, so there's a, so it's a vegan outreach animal activist groups. You have people stand in a square, some are holding a sign saying truth, some are holding um, screens that show like animal slaughterhouse footage. Um, they wear masks, that's the whole anonymous, so people can come up and look at the screens without feeling like someone's looking at them, judging them. And then there's other people around to do their outreach when someone stops to look at the screen, you just go up and ask them, you know, they've seen that footage before and they don't know what it's about and you just talk to them about why you're there what that footage is and if they're interested, you know, how they could stop what's happening to the animals. But they go for about four hours and generally people don't stand 
you know, the whole time you switch around, you know, people put their hands up. But there is people, I've known people that have done almost three hours straight or longer just standing. There's no way I could, yeah. I couldn't stand for three hours. I could not. They are incredible. Yeah. I'd be wanting to do a 15-minute stand. <laughs> <laughs> and then switch around every 15. But, I mean, that is just – I take my hats off to people who do that because, for me, that is – I'm I'm not saying I never do that, but at, at the moment I think I would be too sensitive to, to do that type of activism. So I try to do activism in other ways, like this podcast is a form of activism. Yeah, well, that's just – I mean, I've been wanting to – like I use this, I mean, I talk about it when I do talk to people. You talk about the animal, what's on the screen, but then you also can talk about the health things. Mm. So especially if I've got someone older and as soon as I mention arthritis or something, they've generally either got it or they know someone mm. and they're very interested in that aspect as well. Yes, and I think that when you put all the pieces together, the health aspects, the, well, obviously the animal exploitation and cruelty access aspects, and then the... um the environmental aspect it's a it's a pretty strong argument to ignore yeah when delivered in a way that's right for each person i think every person needs a different form of activism to get the message yeah yeah so when you put it all together yeah so these days you're feeling a whole lot better and i just wanted to ask you aside from the cube of truth how else has your life improved um so being more active so yeah i can do running other exercise i can do weights when I want to do stuff that wouldn't, yeah, couldn't do years ago. Um, so I've got more energy generally during the day, more energy to do stuff with the kids. And see, being, being a parent in chronic pain, it's just an unbearable thing to be, like to, to think about because, you know, they're wanting to play with you. Children are wanting you to participate in their life. They're wanting you to experience joy with them. And it's very hard to experience joy when you're, like I know when I have my jaw pain happening to me and my kids want to play, I'm just literally gritting my teeth and yeah. bearing it. Yeah, it's hard, yeah, when you want to get up and, and do stuff. And, you know, that pain affects your mind as well, makes you tired and, yeah. How old were your children when this was all going on? Uh, so the oldest one's eight now, so so even, yeah, so I'm just thinking back. Like babies when you yeah, were Yeah, they really were very young when I started getting the, main, the more, the other symptoms and the worst pain oh my god i think yeah sam was saying my wife was saying one of my worst times with the back when i came out to go to a hospital just and they gave me anti-inflammatory injection that's any time an anti-inflammatory has actually worked when they injected me one and that was when she was pregnant with our first child so she was yeah probably heavily pregnant not having to move around oh. <laughs> on my back in pain as well yeah oh, no. so now it's because um, you were expecting another child. Are you? Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So she, you know, back will probably get more sore as it goes along, but hopefully, well, now, luckily, yeah, mine were right, so I can do, we're not both lying down in pain. Mm. <laughs> At least one of us can do stuff. So is this going to be your second or third child? Uh, yeah. Oh, good on you. <laughs> I stopped it too. <laughs> that seemed like a lot. Ah, oh, good for you. Congratulations. I... Just want to know what would be your three biggest tips for people who are wanting to take on this lifestyle? So I guess for people that are maybe wanting to do it for health, they've learnt about it, but they're struggling, you know, to stick with the diet or try it. And I suggest watching the documentary Dominion, which you can watch from free on YouTube, and that will show you what's actually happening to the animals and that 
there's probably going to be a stronger motivation as well. That might be the, the push if you're not just doing it for your health. What do you see what happens to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really Make good. Yeah, really good um, tip. Second, second tip is probably to have like a lot of good recipes and stuff ready so you don't have to think, oh, you know, what do you make? What can you use? Yep, excellent. So Forks Over Knives app, which is pretty good. Mm, yes. And probably the third one is to surround yourself like with other people that are already vegan or doing the plant-based eating. So that can be just Facebook groups or sort of the vegan dinners. Or if you do watch the animal stuff, you can, you can do the animal activism is good as well. Yes, I love those. That's a, they're three really great tips. So watch Dominion. on. You can watch it on online. Just Google it. You'll find it. Watch the full film. I have to be honest and say I haven't sat down. I've watched Earthlings and... Yeah, I didn't finish Earthlings, but, it, yeah, I think I got to the part with the dogs and that's when I turned it off. But I have watched the whole Dominion. I watched it in the cinema or in the theatre. I thought about it and then my husband's like, Karina, because I'm so – that kind of stuff will traumatise me for days. Yeah, I, I had, like, symptoms I looked up was similar to post-traumatic stress after watch for, yeah, maybe about a week or two. I kept getting flashbacks of scenes. Mm, for me, because I'm already vegan, if I wasn't – if you're not vegan, I, th- I, I, think, I think you owe it to the animals to watch it if you're not vegan. You owe it to them because it's really happening. You should see it. You need to be making a decision that is honest and true and in line with your values. And if your values are to let, allow people to participate and profit from that type of suffering and cruelty to animals, you know, you need to really think about is that is your taste buds and your habit worth their their suffering. Because I'm already vegan, I, f- I feel like, and having seen Earthlings and I know how any footage that comes up in my Facebook feed at all, often I will watch it, but but every time I do watch it, I'm a wreck. And my husband always says, why are you doing this? Yeah. I've got two kids, you know, I've got to look after them and be okay because it really destroys me. Because I, am, I imagine it happening to my kids, you know. I, just, I always think, oh, my God, I can't believe that they're doing this to another living baby. I mean, I've watched, a lot of us watch it, well, partly so when I do outreach, you actually know what happens so you can describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's so, it's so important for us all to see. And I've, if I hadn't seen Earthlings, so I, and I hadn't been, like, I was raised, I was raised, well, I was raised on a farm, but it was, so it was only a beef farm for a very small amount of time. But enough farming practices have just been in my ear from being in the farming world that I'm, I had cousins that had dairy farms and friends with dairy farms. And so I, I feel like I was exposed to enough to kind of really believe what footage you see. You know, I really believe yeah. that those practices happen because I've seen my parents be rough with animals even though they love animals. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had some, like I worked on a chicken farm as well in my early 20s just for two days where they're loading the chickens onto the trucks and my job was just to grab these chickens and put them in those cage things that's sliding. So when I did give up eating meat, I think even before that I'd stopped eating chicken for a fair while. And the thing is, is that they're shitting on each other in those trays, you know, and their skin just absorbing, you know, they're, in the, they're stacked in those trucks and they're peeing and pooing on each other the whole transport to wherever they're to the slaughterhouse and 
It's just revolting. It's revolting. I mean, when they're processed, I think after they're killed, they're dumped into like this tank of like bleach or some solution, and that all gets filled with their feces and stuff, so they get absorbed into the flesh. And yeah, even if you didn't have a problem, you know, animals getting killed, you'd probably still be grossed out just with the process. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> and when they say about butchers, how the meat comes and they they just cut around tumours. Because yeah, they I've have cancer, those, and yeah. that is so disgusting to me. That, that that would turn me off if I wasn't vegan already when I found that out. So yeah. watch Dominion, have a lot of good recipes. I love that. So there's tons of great places to find those recipes online everywhere. I love Forks Over Knives app, Forks Over Knives website. I love oh, so many. that It always finds it hard when, it, when I'm on the spot. I like... There's some on my website, if you're, but there's not very many. So I, I, you can check them out, but there's not very many. But I mean, there's what are other favorite websites? I'll put them in the show notes that I like because I'm off. My brain's just not listing them right now. But Forks of Anards is definitely a go-to one that I use all the time. And I think probably Nutrition Information, the web page has recipes as well. The T. Colin Campbell website, but I'll put that in the show notes as well. And surround yourself with other vegan people, which I think is so important in this journey. Do you have much much vegan community, Craig? Yeah, well, I didn't initially. I just had my wife, and I sort of went online some of the groups, and it was it was quite funny for a while because I knew that other vegan men existed, mm. but it was like this mystical creature, <laughs> and it couldn't. <laughs> It wasn't until eventually we went to um, Greener Pastures Animal Sanctuary. Oh, wow. And um, I met Jimmy there, and he runs the Anonymous for the Voiceless ah. Cubes here in Perth, so I was talking to him. And so then when I went along to them, then you meet more people. Now there's, yeah, heaps, heaps of them, yeah. Oh, that's so but, good. So we have yeah, invited to parties, and there's so many of us now. It's so nice, and I think it's so nice if you're a parent and you're raising plant-based vegan children. It's so nice. You know, we had a group of my vegan plant-based friends over yesterday for a potluck and it's just always so nice to to have all the vegan kids running around thriving and, well, my kids were ignoring them, but <laughs> the other kids, so I'm sorry, Shakul and Emily, because they're older than the other two little sweet kids that came to visit us. But, yeah, it's so nice to just to have it, make it normal for our children. yeah. I mean, even today, right now, my wife's at the moment is at a animal justice party barbecue type thing. So the kids are there, and there'll be other other vegan kids there. Ah, oh, wonderful. Anyway, well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story on the show today, Craig. Yeah, happy to do so. Yeah, and thank you for also talking about. Natalie Woodman, who I love, hi Natalie, <laughs> uh, and her program because I think it's just such a, a great program for everyone if you're wanting to make your gut a garden, your microbiome a luscious garden again instead of a, like mine was, just a dead, dry, <laughs> <laughs> sad yeah. place that was perpetuating chronic disease in my body for most of my young and well, the first 30 years of my life, really, um, and probably the same for you, Craig. Yeah. 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 So thank you so much again for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Craig, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to head over to my Patreon and join 
my Corinne Ninja podcast community and also sign up for the 28 Days Vegan Challenge or just share the link with your family and friends on social media. That would be so wonderful. And I will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye.